Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast, a convenient place where you can stay up to date on what's popular in the swine industry. By listening to Popular Pig, you will receive invaluable information on the latest trends, news, and research from various experts who guide the global pork industry. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com. Popular Pig is also made possible by Johnsonville Foods, Swine Robotics, SwineWeb.com, and Innovative Heating, the manufacturers of Hog Hearth. Welcome to the Popular Pig Podcast. My name is Matthew Rota, your host for today's episode. Today we're going to talk about the challenges in implementing guilt management with Dr. Ashley Dedecker. Thank you for joining us today, Ashley. Thanks for having me today, Matt. I look forward to the conversation. Yeah, this should be a fun one. You had a really good presentation at Layman, and I feel as though everyone in the industry would would benefit from hearing what we're going to talk about today. Uh, before we get started, would you mind introducing yourself and a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Dr. Ashley Decker, originally from Cambridge, Illinois, grew up on our family farm with swine and grain. Um chose to go down the path of animal welfare at University of Illinois. So got my PhD with Janine Salek-Johnson, focusing primarily on group housing systems, on its effect on productivity and animal welfare. Straight out of my PhD, I saw a position at Smithfield, and I knew I wanted to get back into the industry as fast as I could, and what better opportunity would there be than with Smithfield? So Applied for the position, um, started as assistant director of production research in 2011. I've been with the company for 10 years now, um, and my responsibilities are research, research, and research. And that gets to me anything and everything to do with hog production. Even though my background and passions in welfare, I get to do research in animal health, swine management, um, genetics, nutrition, anything and everything that gets to that goes into raising a pig and even to the meat quality, which makes my job really fun. Um, but something we'll be talking about today also includes challenges with implementation because we're also responsible for making sure whatever research we do in Smithfield also gets implemented throughout the company, which is way harder than the research itself. Research is easy. Implementation is extremely hard, especially in a company as big as Smithfield. So prime segue into the topic for today, challenges with implementing guilt development. And guilt development is, is has a special place in my heart because I've done a lot of research and talked to a lot of experts in the field about what is the right way to do this so that Smithfield can try to figure out what is the right strategy for us as well. So before we hop into guilt development, what is some of the most I guess, what are some of your favorite research you've ever done since going to Smithfield that you can talk about? Some of my favorite, re- honestly, my favorite research is anything that gets implemented in Smithfield or gets implemented across the industry. So we've done a lot, and like I said, welfare is my background. We've done a lot with euthanasia, um, and some non-penetrating captive bolt guns. We shared all that with National Pork Board. We're able to change protocols through PQA on what was acceptable measures. So whenever I see something not only get approved through Smithfield, but it gets industry-wide accepted, that's that's really important to me and if it's welfare-related. Another one was looking at um, bedding and boarding options in our market hall trailers. 
and we're able to use some of that information to change the TQA standards as well. So again, whatever we can do to have an impact on, on the entire company to benefit the welfare of animals is some of my favorite favorite projects that come out. Well, that's rewarding. And like you said, the implementation is so hard that if you can get something through research and then successfully make it through implementation, you've, you've, disco- you've, you've conquered quite the feat. Exactly. Yep. So Not only do I get it implemented in Smithfield, but get it implemented hopefully to the entire industry to benefit everybody. For sure. So back to guilt development, can you explain what guilt development really means? That's a great question because it is a really hard one. In a 30-minute podcast, there's no way I could tell you all about guilt development because it's so complicated. Um, I think a lot of people would think of guilt development as just as they're developing into a mature female. But to me, guilt development starts all the way back from the time that they're born. And thinking about is that guilt coming from a P1 sow or is she a P3 sow or what was the litter size she was born from? How much colostrum did she get? And did I do the best that I possibly could to ensure she got as much colostrum as possible? And that's why I say there's guilt development is from birth until really she's a P1 because that's when she's no longer a guilt and the developmental phases throughout all of that. Well, I always say it is such a complex issue, but guilt development, they're developing from the time they're born until you're getting them bred and all the facets that go into that. So what happens in the multiplier and what you're doing to develop her as a female and as a reproducing female, not a market pig, what are, what is her purpose? What is her long-term goal? How do we set her up for success early on in life? And how can we do a first selection or second selection early on in life as well? So not an not an easy uh, question to answer in a, in a short amount of time because it is extremely complicated. And if anyone wants to say, yeah, I have a great guilt development program, I'm like, well, let's take a couple of hours and talk about all of <laughs> those great details <laughs> um, and what goes into that. So to start at the beginning, then to just talk about the implementation of a guilt development program, what does that look like? Whether it's a good one or a bad one, what does that implementation look like? I'd say it's, where does it start? And my first question when I ask someone, can you explain to me your guilt development program? I, the thing I'm looking for is where do they consider it starting? So does that mean they're starting about boar exposure when they're around 22, 23 weeks old? Or does it mean they're starting at the multiplier? Um, so the answer to me, it gives me a good gauge of how they interpret what guilt development really means compared to what I interpret guilt development really means. And so it, one of the biggest challenges is then once I hear, okay, it's more exposure, this is what we're doing, I can say, well, hold on a second, let's talk about the guilts before you even receive them. And, and sometimes it's really complicated because that person may not be in charge of the multiplier mm-hmm. or really have no idea where those guilts are coming from or know anything about them, except that they're receiving them. So I kind of always try to say, well, let's let's go back to the beginning and let's do some digging and get some good information on what's being done to set you up for success. Because I hate for someone in the GDU to be working hard and doing the best thing they possibly can, knowing that they could have been doing something earlier on to benefit them even more. You know, everyone has to do their part to build that guilt up for success. It's a team effort. So would you say that most of the industry, not people in your role? or maybe not PhDs, 
But a lot of people who are managers and on-farm employees, when they hear guilt development, it's more exposure and then on. Do you think most of the industry looks at it from that point on and, and really doesn't look at the earlier ages? I think guilt development typically goes hand in hand with what we call heat checking. Instead of even just saying more exposure, it's like, are you heat checking? And that's the common term of it. And when I ask that question, it typically is, is, yeah, well, we heat check. Okay, well, is it fence line? Are you, how often are you doing it? When are you starting it? Do you have enough bores? Are you rotating your bores? How old are your bores? Uh, there's tons of questions that come with that, but you're right. I think most people, when they hear guilt development, they instantly think of the the maturing female once um, mm-hmm. she hits around that 20 weeks old and you start you know, bringing her into the GDU and doing your heat checking processes. They're not necessarily thinking of what could I have been doing when she was a, you know, a three pound newborn pig or a wean pig. Or should my diets even be different? And I can say Smithfield was guilty of that. We were for a long time. We were treating our guilts almost as if they were a market pig and wondering why they weren't performing like a reproducing female should be producing. So it did. It changed our mindset. Let's take it all the way back to the guilt. And we need to be treating her, more, I'd say, more like a Volvo and stop treating her like a Ferrari that we're expecting her to develop in a normal pace. We want to feed her for longevity. So, you know, minerals, vitamins, her bone structure, and treat her that way versus feeding her like a market hog. So we, we've had to do lots of research in that area to figure out with our own genetic lines, what are the best feeding strategies? What are the best management strategies? Um, boar exposure and looking at simple things like birth weights. And I know, um, Jennifer Patterson, George Foxcroft, even Billy Flowers has done a lot of work on um, weight at birth and its correlation with productivity and lifetime longevity. And it's been repeated time and time and time again, that the higher the birth weight, typically the more productive she's going to be in her lifetime. And then it comes down to implementation. So we take that information and we repeated ourselves with the same thing and said, the feedback I got was actually that's that's great, but we're not weighing or handling any piglets at birth. We don't want to do that. So um, how do you correlate that into like a processing weight? We're going to handle them at processing. We can weigh them at processing or weaning. So what is that weight that we need to be targeting? So it was a great question. You're like, yeah, all the research that's been done in universities is all completely based on birth weight, but we're not going to handle pigs an additional time to do that. So in the real world, they're like, we want to do it, but we're not going to do the extra handling. So we had to go back and do the correlations of processing weight or how much do they weigh, how much does the two and a half pound pig weigh at processing at day four, for example, and then cut it off to as simple as possible. So we said, if they're less than three and a half pounds at processing, then they're what we call a second select guilt. If they're greater than three and a half pounds at processing, they're first select guilt. So how do we identify them? We have to tag them differently. So if the tag is on the outside of the ear, they're first select, which means that they were greater than three and a half pounds. If the tag is on the inside of the ear, it's a second select, meaning she's less than three and a half pounds time of processing. So taking a lot of that university information, which I would do the same way the universities did and having to turn it into usable functional information on a much more simplistic less than or greater than versus the here's the curve of what we're going to be measuring. I was at NC State with Dr. Flowers on that 
all not that long ago. And he was talking through some of that stuff that he was doing and, and that he's done. And he's basically at a point where he's like, I keep seeing the same research. Let's get some new stuff out, which he's, he's been around long enough and is such a respected individual that it's, it's kind of nice to have NC state right there next to you. Yeah. No, it's funny. This things with guilt development and reproduction is, hasn't really changed. The same research that came out 20 years ago is very applicable today um, from an anatomy standpoint that hasn't changed. How we manage them may be a little bit different, but they still need the same, the same things. Boar exposure is critical. You can't replace the boar. He's a key component to her success. So it's taking a lot of that information and just reminding, reminding the farms this is what we did 20 years ago, and we may have gotten away from it for some reason, whether it was biosecurity or we stopped doing it for some other reason, and reminding them we have to do these things, and this is why. It's hard when you're working in a GDU and you're heat checking every single day, but you don't see the benefit in the south farm of all the work you're doing yep. because they are sometimes so segregated. So I guess talking then a little bit about implementing strategies uh, before we jump into some of the questions I'd have around that. It's said that it's it's much easier to start a new process than to um, change an old one. And you talk about how for 20 years we've had this this research and these answers in some ways. How do you get a farm who's been doing something for so long or a system that's been doing something for so long to successfully change those processes and consistently move towards the new strategy? I wish I had the perfect answer for you because if, if I knew that it'd make my life and my job a whole lot easier when it comes to trying to implement some of the things across our system, we have tried, let's talk about it. Let's, you know, research, let's send out technical bulletins. We've made videos to help, you know, show people what to be doing. We've done SOPs. Um, We've done research seminars, but at the end of the day, no matter how much information you try to get out to them, it's it's a change in culture. It's a change in leadership and that leadership believes what is going to be changed is going to have an impact on productivity. And we do have certain regions that it's just ingrained in, in the culture of that. And no video, no three minute video showing you how to do more exposure is going to change culture. And so I, I firmly believe it does come from the leadership, the management on those farms. If they believe it and they are ingrained that, hey, are you doing this? You know, this is what we're going to see and tell them why. Show them why we're doing this. You'll start to see the results. And, and that's really where change comes in. It's not going to be a video that I made. It's not going to be a, a research study. I wish it was. Um, that's supportive evidence to it. But at the end of the day, it does, it comes from attitude. So, so on top of that, then when we look at the South farm, there isn't always a bunch of clarity on what's been done, who did it and how well did they do it against our SOP? So you think that lack of clarity also makes driving strategies more challenging because we can try all we want, but there's really no metric, nothing that says, yeah, you're 88% compliant with the new strategy that allows us to see across our operations and say, yeah, this thing I'm implementing is scalable. It is consistently being used a similar way across our operations. That is part of the hard, one of the hard parts of tracking implementation, um, which we're tasked with a lot is, okay, let's see how well is everyone following this SOP for board exposure. 
well, if they're not tagging the guilt, how am I supposed to track age? Um, yeah. If they're not weighing the guilt, how am I supposed to know relatively what the, the weight is at first service? If they're not even tagged by the time they get in the south farm, how am I supposed to know when the first HNS was? Because it's not recorded. So you're right to, I can't, I can't measure what I'm not, or I can't manage what I'm not measuring, which is recording in this case. So there's a lot of improvement that needs to be done on simply just getting the data that we need so that we can track that information. And a lot of times we talk about age, weight, cycle. When, it, when should you breed her? When's the right time? And, you know, I've heard a lot, a lot of people talk about weight, 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 weight. Uh, but we're not weighing our gills. So we want to use a flank-to-flank tape. And we've, we've done the flank-to-flank tape, and we see huge variation, basically saying that flank-to-flank may be correlated with body weight, but it is not accurate to body weight whatsoever. So gotcha. get rid of your flank-to-flank tape. If you truly want to go off of weight, then you need to get a scale, and you need to weigh them. And then it comes down to, yeah, we're not going to do that. Okay, so go off of what you confidently know, what you can implement. What is it that you accurately and confidently know? Well, I'll, I'll know her age if she's tagged. Okay, so we're tagging. We'll tag them. You can know her age, and you should know her cycle. If you're doing proper heat checking, you should know her cycle. So go off of age and, go off of age and cycle if that's what you can go off if you don't have weight. So use what you accurately and confidently know and figure out what works for you. Um, if the SOP says you must use a flank to flank, then use a flank to flank, but validate it with a scale or, or change up your SOP to what fits your needs at that time. Hey, I don't have the labor to be weighing gills. Okay. Let's go off of age and maybe see if we can tag it the multipliers, um, based on true age. So try to find what works for your farm and always, instead of thinking it's is an excuse of why they can't do something, look at it as an opportunity to find an alternative for what they can do successfully. So we hear a lot of times, oh, I don't have enough bores or I can't do it this way. Okay, well, what if we were to, you know, bring Buy in some, some type of pheromone, pheromone spray or we can start epididymizing bores now and in the 10 months you can do something else, get some bores. It's find a solution versus hearing excuses. I think will help yes. a lot of people identify how we can get to a solution. So what are some strategies that you've tried to get guilt development fully implemented at Smithfield? So I kind of mentioned before research presentations, let's talk about it. Technical bulletins, emails, we made a video, changed our SOPs, updated SOPs. But at the end of the day, as I said, a video is not going to change culture. It, it really does take someone getting out to the farms. And I, I've tried to visit a bunch of different regions and just learn and listen to them. Tell me what it is that you do for guilt development. And a lot of them, you could tell, really have passion and believe in what they're doing. And it's either going really well, and I may have some tidbits, but I don't want to change their passion. I just want to say, that's great. You guys are doing a good job. Can I have some other people come visit and learn from you as well? Um, but simple conversations on the farm are what's going to, to lead that versus reading a technical bulletin from a PhD. It, it's not going to happen. It's a people business. It's a people relationship. And again, building that culture and having an attitude and trust in your leadership and your management that they're directing you and leading you in the right direction, what's best for you. And they're not just making you do more 
oh, you got to go away all these guilt because I felt like it would be fun. No, tell them the why. Why is this important? A lot of people really just want to know the why behind it. So mm-hmm. I can say that, you know, since 2018, we've talked a lot about guilt development and trying to get more standardization practices put through the system. And we're not perfect. It's been several years and we've come a long way, but there's still a lot of variation and variation is going to exist because we have a, a lot of variation in our system and sites and facilities and culture. And so that's, that's fine to have some variation as long as the, the concept of starting guilt out and developing her right from the beginning is, is part of that culture and doing the right thing. Gotcha. So now I'm going to ask you just a total off ball question. And then I'm going to come back to something that's kind of related to some things you were saying, and then we'll kind of wrap things up. The first question I have for you right here is what's something about you that most of your colleagues do not know? I would say, and, and really it's funny that if, if I were to talk to the 16 year old version of Ashley, she would probably have a heart attack if I told her what my career choice was. <laughs> because growing up on a hog farm, I'd go down and I, whenever I got in trouble, I had to go work on the hog farm. I'd typically go fle- clean the fly crap off of the jelly jars and the lights is what I had to do when I was in trouble. And so <laughs> I liked working with our show pigs and doing that part of it, but I never would have dreamt because what I was into was I did a lot of um, musical theater, improv comedy competitions. Um, broadcast journalism was kind of my area. I did lots of odd jobs. I was a disc jockey at our local radio station because that's what I wanted to go into. Um, so I never would have dreamt I would have been in animal science working in the hog industry as a 16 year old because I really liked the theater improv comedy, which now today makes me realize like I like public speaking probably because I did a lot of <laughs> those yeah. things in high school. So so yeah, that's a little bit of background on me. And I wish I was able to do more of that stuff today. I'll occasionally drag my husband to a musical every once in a while, but that was what I was really into in high school, as well as sports and everything else. I'm from a super small town, 29 kids in my graduating class. So I had to participate in everything yeah. in order for that sport or function to exist. But yeah. So pork board, if you're listening, we got your next stand up comedian for the upcoming events. <laughs> Not a stand up comedian, no. Improv comedy though is fun. If you've never had to do like a true it is fun competition for that, it, it's really entertaining and fun to participate in. I've always enjoyed that. Even if you go to them, it's a fun thing to do on a night. They had one in uh before it got canceled because of COVID in Greenville, North Carolina, where uh right connected to one of the bars pit brewery you could go and grab a beer and then go sit down and watch improv comedy and it was great but then they canceled that um i guess my my segue from the guilt development and the implementation challenges i'm going to branch off into precision technologies for a second here with precision technologies would you say that the challenges are pretty similar in the sense that if we bring a precision technology to us to a farm and it works but there's no great way of understanding how well it might be implemented at scale. It might not get beyond research. Like what are the challenges of actually implementing precision technologies for things around sow management or other things when it comes to just implementing and scaling? I'd say there's, there's 
several, simply identifying what the return over expense is. I mean, everything in swine production is how do we reduce our costs, right? And so identifying a, a technology or solution that we can confidently quantify what that return is. Um, once we are able to do that and we get in the system and say, okay, we're ready to implement, then it's, then it's the teaching, honestly, of the employees on how to use those things. And then it's the software updates that have to be done. And it's the employee turnover. So you have to, you're constantly reteaching and retraining. It, it's got to be as simple as picking up your iPhone. My iPhone can update whenever it needs to, and I can figure it out on my own. But having to retrain all of our employees is a very challenging thing to do, which is why one of our categories when we prioritize research is ease of implementation on how we decide if we're going to do a research study or not. Something, I will say, something is very complex is like euthanasia, because we not only have to do the research on it for the effective, but we have to take into consideration our staff's perception of using that method because it's a sensitive subject. Human safety, which takes into consideration the entire industry. Um, purchasing, in fact, something like euthanasia took around two and a half years to implement across our system because it also required training every single employee in our company on how to do it. Even though you make videos, you make SOPs on how to train someone, it is no easy task. And when you're talking about changing over, even like everyone's familiar with Pignose or PigChamp in our databases and how to use those, if you were to change that system for something like Smithfield and you had to teach everyone how to use a new platform, it would take a long time. That, that is one of the biggest challenges with implementing new precision technology is how you get every employee, not to mention the turnover of employees, um, always updated and using it properly so that it is advantageous for us and, and consistently being used in the proper way. For sure. No, thanks for sharing that. It was just so tied to the challenges of implementing strategies. And, and that's a big topic right now is precision technologies. I guess to wrap yeah. things up, would you be willing to share a golden nugget, some life lesson or word of advice for the audience? I would say I've learned in my 10 years of my career that communication is king. And anytime there's, even in research, I'm a scientist, but at the end of the day, I, I requires tons and tons of communication. And I think that falls into any position you are in the swine industry, whether it's, it's sales, it's data management, it's accounting for hog production. It's all communication with people, people on the farm, people in your support operations. And anytime there's a disagreement, I've come to learn that most likely is either a miscommunication or it was a perceived miscommunication or under-communication. It's not like people show up and intend to try to make your life harder. There was something that happened in communication. So I've, I've really tried to teach myself over the 10 years that over-communicate as much as I possibly think I can. And even when I think I did, I, I definitely didn't. I forgot someone. Um, and so always trying to think about the different methods of communication, whether it's texting, it's you know, teams messaging or it's email or picking up the phone and who it is you're communicating with and what their preference of communication is. So uh, to me, communication, communication, communication is the thing that I'm constantly trying to better myself in because uh, I think there's always room for improvement in that and always learning other people's communication skills and how to work with them. 
Well, thank you for that. And thank you for joining us on the Popular Pig Podcast. It's been a real pleasure to have you on here sharing your your wisdom around implementing strategies across guilt development and, and implementation of new new strategies and plans with that. And, and I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Popular Pig. We aspire to learn and grow together through the experience and wisdom shared by our esteemed guests. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues within the swine industry. For more information, please go to popularpig.com to receive updates when new episodes are available. Popular Pig is brought to you by SwineTech, the award-winning creators of SmartGuard and PigFlow. To learn how PigFlow can help you streamline your workforce and reduce piglet and sow deaths, visit swinetechnologies.com.